Nerds Talking, the podcast. Yo, we talk about lightsabers, stunning your TV screens, what you want to stream, everything beyond your dreams. Want to talk about movies, sports, or even politics. Go ahead and tune into us, we'll give you all of it. Whatever you're debating, Xbox or PlayStation, Marvel or DC, Mac or PC. Teraflops when the movie drops, gigabytes, chips, RAM, no matter what it is, we got all of it. Welcome to the show. Nerds Talking, the podcast. Welcome to Nerds Talking, the podcast. I'm here with Johnny Carlos Hugh and our special guest, stand-up comedian Eddie Brill. He's joining. It's our second show where we've had stand-up comedians. The first one it, not so good. Didn't, didn't go so well. <laughs> it's as if we booked stand-ups for a funeral. It went terribly. And um, they just were not funny. I just kind of disappointed. And we tried again to tell jokes and they refused um it's like why would you have stand-up comedians on a show and then brought you on for a reason and you just didn't want to participate so <laughs> so eddie you will participate we will make you oh yeah well you know what's interesting is that you like i've done a ton of podcasts of course but even before that for many for two or three decades you go to a, do a radio show and the radio djs don't have anything so they ask you to do a joke from your act and it's kind of hard to do your act on the radio or do your act in that way because comedy is it's not just a you know it's not just a verbal you know thing it's i mean there are comedy albums that you can listen to like old comedy albums with george carlin and stuff and it's creative but to do your jokes on stage it's sometimes hard to do them for the radio so you just try to be yourself and hopefully you're a funny person or yeah, yeah. goofy no, right. or whatever yeah but i just you know just so you know because a lot of times you'll get okay this is bob and john in the morning and they have these big crazy voices and then we have to meet <laughs> any real so tell us a joke yeah. you know there's a thing that i would always say when someone would say tell me a joke i go you're good looking and that's what you'd always say that <laughs> and it, people would pause and then they'd laugh well one time it backfired on me because i was coming back from ireland and I was exhausted and I, I used to smoke in those days and my luggage was the last piece off and I just needed a cigarette after eight hours in the air and I was, and the custom guy goes, hey, Eddie, tell me, a, you know, oh, so you're a comedian. It says on the thing, tell me a joke. And I go, you're good looking just, and he didn't <laughs> laugh. And he brought me in the back room and he emptied every luggage of mine. I bent <laughs> over to make sure I didn't have any drugs. And uh, oh boy, <laughs> did I need a cigarette after that? <laughs> was he, but was he good looking? I just think he was as tired as I was and didn't like my attitude. <laughs> so yes. give a, a little snapshot. I know. How many years did you do Letterman? He was a, letter, a warm up back for Letterman. I was there for 17 years and I was the warm up for the whole time. And for 11 of the years, I was booked the comedians on the show. And then I had a lot of other things like I'd go up to the desk and all the commercial breaks and you know, either hang out there and talk about life with Dave or come up with ideas for funny things we can do in the next segment. And then I also a few times got to do the announce at the beginning of the show because Alan Coulter was off for another gig or a Jewish holiday. So I got to go from New York, you know, and do that right. whole, that was a thrill for me. The first time I did it, the director after the show called me, he said, um, we need you to re-record that opening. Uh, I said, why? He said, you sounded like you were 12. 
You were so excited. <laughs> I was like, David Letterman! <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the music comes up, the band's playing, the audience is applauding, and you do that announcement, it's like, <gasps> you know, it just was amazing. So I had to re-record it. I did it's it a few a, other times, all right, but the first time, hey! <laughs> it's a child back then. <laughs> yeah, Merle Haggard! <laughs> And here he is. <laughs> yeah, so for the listeners, yeah, Eddie was the warm-up act before every show on the David Letterman uh, show. It was it was it was, was the late show with David the late Letterman. show. There you go. I mean, it's funny. Yeah. I watched it on NBC, CBS, and now yeah, NBC was late night. Mm-hmm. The late yeah. night it was you know because they're like you know corporations. The late night you know uh, the Tonight Show is one. Late night is the NBC, and late show is the CBS version. Have you been on any of the the shows that are running now? Not not really. It's kind of interesting. Uh, I've been doing a lot of producing. I do a lot of stand-up still, but I've done a lot more shows, more like in Europe and when I've gone overseas and stuff like that. But I haven't really done the stand-up shows. I've, I've produced a bunch of stand-up TV stuff and still doing that and working on music and stand-up producing. But I, I still love the performing more than anything. What what's the biggest difference between the audiences here and over, compared to Europe? Are they more like, are they more uh, proper? Like, like no, you know, as a matter of fact, they're smarter and cooler, and don't put up with bullshit. Like if you go, it's great to be here in London, and like screw you, you know. But they would be the, the very first time I went to London to do stand up. I went, it's great to be here in London, and the guy yelled out, you, you know, uh, bullshit. And I said, and and because he knew I was pandering. It's a very American thing for comedians to do. They think, you know, if you just pander, everyone's going to applaud. But not in Europe. They don't want that. So he said, bullshit. And I went, yeah, you're right. It smells like shit. And it's a, it's a, it smells like, no, it, <laughs> it looks like shit. And it smells like piss. And the crowd loved it because I got back at the guy. And uh, I didn't take that. You know, it made me a better comedian to go overseas I don't think America sucks. I just think that a lot of comedians here are so into the pandering and love me, love me thing uh, that the great comedians are never have been into, you know, Carlin Fryer, Lily Tomlin. It's all about doing what they love. Dave Chappelle, his truth. And there's a lot of comedians, you know, love me, love me, you know, yeah. put your hands together for coming to the show. It's like, we don't have to applaud. We've come, been coming to shows our whole life. We don't need yeah. to applaud ourselves for coming out. And they don't, you know, they want the truth. They want, they, I've always loved British sitcoms and Irish sitcoms and stuff like that because they're very dark and very truthful and not all have sound, laugh tracks. Some do, you know what I mean? It's, but it's very interesting. They also don't hire, everyone is not beautiful on every TV show because they hire the best actors. And, right. and <laughs> because they're, they're not at, you know, America has this odd thing where we have to make everyone pretty and everyone has to be perfect and every you can't make any mistakes and you know but the best shows are always the darkest where you know a lot of vulnerability and insecurity and real life comes across what what a concept best actor geez that's what a concept (laughs) right (laughs) yeah (laughs) best haircut (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah that's pretty much what those shows are really yeah yeah pat ourselves in the back and uh well uh eddie you um i was listening to one podcast you did uh, a couple of years ago and uh said you said that you toured in asia like hong kong and um yeah. whatnot how how are the crowds there as far as 
understanding the jokes and uh, just do you have to adjust your your set? You know, it was interesting. I wasn't sure if I had to. So I went without adjusting them and they worked. Mm. Uh, Hong Kong was mostly a British place before I went there. And then there was the takeover where the Brits were knocked out. They didn't really have the ownership anymore in Hong Kong. And the crowds were coming out um, were these Brits who were stuck in, in Hong Kong. Uh, you know, not only, I mean, there'd be people from Singapore and there'll be people from other countries, but it was mostly English speaking people going to these places because there wasn't a lot of English entertainment for them. Like when I went to Amsterdam, it was the same thing. There's a lot of, you know, the, the audience, be, the first time I worked in Paris, it's the same story, a lot of expats, a lot of Ireland, uh, mm. Europe. Australians, Irish, you know, the crowds were pretty, were mostly expats and they were dying for English speaking entertainment. Hong Kong was just, you know, it's just a very smart place. And the audience is really, you know, the, some of the best films in the world are uh, South Korean, Japanese, and uh, films that are made out of Hong Kong. And uh, there's a reason for that because the intelligence factor is so amazing there. So, you know, when you do creative stuff in Hong Kong, you're you know, you're playing with the big boys. It's it's really terrific. I see. Good question, Johnny. Good. I mean, your ego just went through the roof. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. There was this one guy. No, this is Eddie. How was it in Canada? Are they the best people ever. I'm Canadian. Yeah. Well, Eddie. you know, Canada's great. Canada's fantastic. Canada's come up some of the greatest comedians in the world, Jim Carrey, and you know the SCTV people, and you know Martin Short, and all that. So there's a lot of good stuff. You know. One of the craziest things that happened is I was working in Los Angeles and I met a guy from Bangladesh, a brilliantly smart guy, and uh, he was, wanted to be a comedian. And he, his, uh, him and his wife got pregnant. Uh, they did, did some, they had sex, and a baby, <laughs> baby was planted, and they decided to raise the baby in a place that was in LA, in where they're from, Bangladesh. So he was missing stand-up, so he put a little thing together, and he invited me over. And I got to work in Bangladesh. Now, this was in Bangladesh, there's like 44 million people in the country. It was like 4 million people in Dhaka, their main town. And the one percentile of those people spoke English. They traveled the world. They did business. So they all came to my show. And again, I was worried. What do I talk about? Can I talk about religion in front of these folks? Can I talk about, you know, politics, whatever? And I don't talk much politics, but I was wondering if I could, and they were so, they're, people are, are human wherever you go, if you could quote me on that. You know, <laughs> you know the thing about, you, you write, I learned how to write comedy for humans as opposed to writing for the country or writing for, you know, hey, I live near Lafayette Street, you know, it's like, who cares? The, really, the <laughs> truth is, is, like if you write a joke about having a dream, you know, and you have a nightmare, Every human can uh, laugh at that. Doesn't matter which country, but it's about your sincerity and the heart, putting the hard work in, and not kissing their ass and not bullshitting and not taking them for granted. So I'm thinking, uh, take a left on take this a serious, left on street. serious street. It's not a Steely <laughs> Dan song. Yeah. <laughs> I did left on or Dylan. I just go said. ahead, Hugh. I want to hear it. Well, yeah. no, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I'm curious what you think about the climate today of comedy because one of the things i i looked at was the guy you mentioned in ghost i've forgotten his name 
who passed, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, he was brilliant. And all of a sudden, my mind is blank. I can picture his face. And his brother, Ray, uh, is, uh, is, is still doing comedy all these years later. But his name is, is slipped my mind. But you were going to ask me about him. Well, I was looking at one of his shows from probably 30 years ago where he's on stage and he's he's mimicking a bunch of different characters, different ethnicities. And right. and and I was thinking, would, would he be canceled today? Would he be would he be called out on it? And whether because I don't know that I I think it's good. I mean, I think comedy is meant to be comedy. It's meant to be something that, you know, causes people to laugh. Will everybody laugh? No, no. Some people some somebody people may not. Hurt. Comedy, right. Somebody gets hurt. But, you know, I mean, if you're just cruel and like homophobic and come from a, a really hateful place, there's no room for that. And as human right. beings, we should evolve from that. You do stand up comedy and you tell your truth and your truth might bum people out. You know, you're going to talk about, you know, stuff that happened in your life that everyone can relate to. They also a lot of people don't want to hear it. And, uh, you know, we're grown up in a very fear based society. Our, the teaching in, in our country, in the world, is very fear-based. And as comedians, it's really great to break that down because that's a horrible way to teach children right. to raise a society. I mean, you know, there's war and there's guns and there's violence and, and it's based on, you want to go down serious street, there, you know, that's, there's such a negative imagery and it's a scaring and sins and fear mm -hmm. and the devil. And in reality, you know, life is pretty fun and we're here a very short time and you can right. really have a blast if you, you know, have good people around, you do the right thing and realize that you're just a moron like everybody else and you're going to make mistakes. And that's what comedy is, you know, like I used to have a bit where I used to, I lived in Hollywood, Florida for junior high school and high school. And I'm not going to do the bit, but it because I probably couldn't remember it word for word, but it was, <laughs> it was about having the, there was Canadians down there, a lot of Canadians in Florida. They had bought up the beaches smartly. And, you know, it was, and being a hockey fan, you know, I got to meet all my hockey heroes who'd come down to Hollywood, Florida when I was down there <laughs> and the girls were lovely. But I would notice that this beach that we would go to was mostly Canadians and there were the husbands were short and fat with Speedos and then the wives were tall and gorgeous in bikinis. And my original joke had to do with, you know, it was about the guys had a lot of money. And that's kind of, you know, it's not horrible. It might be true in some situations, but to put everyone in that category as a gold digger, and that's why, you know, these men were, you know, getting these women. Well, I realized years later, I put that joke to bed. This is 25, 30 years ago. And I thought about it. And I said, you know what the truth is? The truth is I was jealous. That's the bottom line. That's my truth. I was jealous of those men, right. you know, and I was the asshole, not the, you know, they, they were, you know, I was the asshole in, in that scenario. So I rewrote the joke where I said, I wonder how these women get these men, probably because they're nice guys and not judgmental pricks like me. And, <laughs> I, you know, so you get the laugh by being real and saying, you know, like um, Kevin Hart, you know, he yeah. had some homophobic jokes. And of course, they're not great and they're not smart and they're childish and they're wrong and they put a, a you know it's kind of hateful but he grew up and he evolved and we should celebrate the fact that he evolved right. into this guy as opposed to where he was and instead of punishing him by taking away the academy awards like scumbag fear-based you know you know hateful people they 
they fired they fired him from the gig from jokes he made a million years ago when he right. was younger and didn't evolve into a smarter, better human being. Right, you, go, and, you left left turn on Sirius Street. Right, you, you did good, Eddie. Right. What do you think about the What do you think about the climate of weather? Yeah, you know, a little the, more the, serious. Yeah, the, well, winds out of the north northwest. <laughs> there we go. Miles per hour, that's going to be twenty five <laughs> by mid afternoon. If you're in bed, stay under the covers because we're listening to the sounds of lightning and thunder and jazz <laughs> it's very well i mean weather people are the best because it's like tomorrow's weather when i wake up i'll, I'll believe me i'll find out what it is tomorrow yeah uh, i'll see it see yeah it oh, how, how about those poor weather people that have to cover the storm like in oh. north carolina <laughs> when the hurricane comes and they're like holding on to the pole and like oh the house blew away and the cameraman's the best, dead. Yeah. yeah. And then the best part is back in the studio. Oh, hope you're okay out there. Stay safe. You're like, I mean, just flew away. You no, know, I think he said something more like, meanwhile, the rich prick back in the studio. Oh, right. That rich prick back in the studio. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. <laughs> what good old news. I'll tell you a name Since... story. Here's a true story with a name. And um, my father wanted to name me Richard, and my mother wouldn't have it. She's like, we're not letting him be called Dick. It's not going to happen. <laughs> When I, you know, you can't do that to him. He's going to have a horrible childhood. So he says, I want you to name him. We're going to name him after my father, Edward. And my father's like, I want Richard. And my mother goes, no, it's not happening. So he says, make the middle name Richard. And she goes, who's Richard? Why? Why? He says, I don't know. I just like the name. She says, OK. So he goes off to work and I'm there in the hospital. Me and my mama were hanging out. And I don't remember <laughs> any of this, but she told me later. I was just born and she said, uh, they gave her the birth certificate and she filled out Edward Robert in there and then gave it to people. Six weeks later, the thing comes to the house. My father opens up, Edward Robert. My mother goes, those idiots. I told them Edward Richard. <laughs> you know, so she lied and she prevented me from becoming a dick. So that worked out. Really she said, good. yeah, she said, open it up. And go, oh, what a bunch of dicks. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I was going to ask you if uh, De Niro is the only one who's ever mistaken you for Danny Aiello. Um, no, I think, well, you know, oh, that is a good story. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, uh, that was incredible. Yeah. I got to know Danny very well and he was just a great guy, but his son, Jamie Aiello, um, him and I looked a lot alike at one point, uh, a few different occasions. So, but, uh, when I got older and haggard, I uh, started looking more like Danny Aiello. But <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a good guy. What a funny guy. Great to comedians, great to actors. Um, just a good human being. And I was, you know, he heard that I looked like him and that I met De Niro and that I was, you know, the whole story of that. I thought that De Niro gave me one of the best hugs of my life. That blows me away. That just yeah. blows me. Away. Yeah. The, my friends were like, how do you know De Niro? I go, I don't know De Niro. They go, you were having sex with him on the dance floor. <laughs> he hugged me. I think he thinks I was Danny Aiello. I don't know. I got three amazing hugs in my life. One from Oprah Winfrey, not because she wanted to hug me, but she was overcome with emotion. It was, she had done the Letterman show and there was a big buildup of her doing the show. Because every day she was gonna do the show and Dave would write in a book, uh, day 36, no Oprah. Well, she had a play, The Color Purple, opening across the street on, from our theater. She decided to be on our show and they had the time of their life. Her and Dave laughed and told stories. And she was overcome with emotion because she really had a great time and it was very cool and her play was opening up and I'm by the desk. And after she hugs Dave, she looks at me and gives me a hug and it was so good. It was so amazing, amazing, <laughs> you know? 
But the best hug of my entire life happens to be the wife of my hero. <laughs> uh, my hero is Roberto Clemente. And uh, oh, wow. He, it, I used to do book reports on him as a kid. I knew everything about him and eventually got to host the Roberto Clemente Foundation Awards every year. Got to be very close to the family and his wife, uh, Vera. Um, she called me Eho. She, you know, she said uh, that I was one of her one of her sons. And after one of the benefits, we raised a whole bunch of money. She hugged me and it was the best hug of my life. Wow. You know, it was just it was pretty amazing. It, it wasn't sexual, but it was it was one that I can still feel. And again, you know, I never got to meet Roberto Clemente, but, uh, you know, it was really great to be close to his family. It, it was so surreal to be able to be part of the Clemente uh, Foundation and help raise money for kids in Puerto Rico. Oh, that's that's awesome. It's awesome. Right. Yeah, I mean, are seen, you still touring? Um, I, I'm starting. I've done, you know, four or five touring gigs next weekend. I got a couple of gigs on Friday and out of town and Saturday out of town and little by little, you know. And how has uh, COVID affected all of this as far as stand up and touring? Yeah, well, it stopped co comedy stand up for a while and people were going to the Internet and doing Zoom shows and, and stand up doesn't work well on Zoom. Um, you know, you're really just performing for like one person at a time. So I would set up these corporate gigs where I'd get this whole company anywhere from 15 to 250 people You do stand up on. It wasn't doing stand up. What I do is answer questions like this from people and also break down jokes and, uh, you know, how I write them and all those kind of things. And, and I had an interview part of it. And that's how that worked. But, you know, there were a lot of people who didn't do stand-up. They created stuff and sort of shows on the internet during the pandemic. And a lot of those people, um, they would they get like millions of followers. So, but the problem is, is there, it's going to be hard for them to never have done stand-up to take what they've done on the internet and do it as a live show without using visuals. And, you know, a lot of these people who are getting famous because of the uh, pandemic and being on the internet are now doing shows like, you know, John Johnson and friends. So they put real comedians on with them to fill up the show because they don't have the right. experience, you know, but there are still incredible comedy is, you know, still better than ever. And there's great, you know, stand up comics, you know, and it's getting more popular and more popular is, you know, people need to, the harder things get, the more people need to laugh. Yeah, that is true, especially um, in in the uh, climate, as he puts it. Yeah, um, the we'll, North Northwest. Yeah, that's right. We'll take a break <laughs> here on Nerds Talking a Podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Screen Forum. I am your host, Nathan Wilds, and this is the podcast that offers a fresh perspective on the film and television industry by bringing you compelling conversations with top professionals in all areas of this business. Combining nearly 15 years in the industry, working in all manner of positions, with a network of friends and colleagues within the business, as well as a keen eye for observation, I have amassed a very strong understanding of all the different elements that come together to put a movie or television show on the screen. Combining that with a writer's mentality and a deep passion and understanding for the social and cultural impact that the stories we tell and the people that tell them can have on our lives. I have developed the Screen Forum as a place to hold deep and impactful discussions 
about the entertainment industry, catering to an audience of both passionate and devoted fans, as well as industry professionals. So come join my listeners, my guests, and myself here in the Screen Forum each month for a discussion that furthers your passion, understanding, and perhaps even your career in the world of film and television. Welcome back to Nerds Talking, the podcast. Me with Eddie, Hugh, Johnny, Carlos, and I'm Lafayette. Remember to rate, subscribe, download, review, turn on your notifications, tell your friends every Friday, new episodes of Nerds Talking, the podcast. Here with Eddie Brill. If you don't know by now, stand-up comedian and a producer, what are you producing? What's something that maybe we've seen? I'm working on a lot of projects, and one of them is a PBS special for com- you know comedy in New York, and uh, we've re- we filmed the pilot episode, and it went really, 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 really well. We're very happy. And also, I'm working on a project um, with the film company, and it's all about music, and uh, I'm one of the executive producers, and I'll be writing on the series, and you know, I have another... Uh, project that I'm working with um, called Word Collections, where, like, for instance, uh, Lafayette, if you wrote a song and, and I sang it and we, it was on the radio, you would get paid for the writing the song and I would get paid for singing it. Well, yep. in comedy, that's the way, same way it's supposed to go. You pay for the writing, get paid for the performance. But all these years, the, they have not paid the comedians for their writing. And it's a law that they broke. And so we've put together a uh, a, fi- a mighty fine list of, you know, comics, both dead and alive. There are states like Robin Williams and Richard Pryor and George Carlin and all these folks, Muhammad Ali and, you know, spoken word stuff. And we're going after these companies to get the people there, the money that, you know, is owed to them. So, and not just American uh, comics and performers, but comics all over Europe and stuff like that. So, you know, the, they've been taken advantage of for too long. And, you know, we're, we're, we have a huge conglomerate putting this thing together and and raising the money. So there's a lot of cool projects I'm doing. And I'm, I just today got a script to read, to maybe um, write on it and perform in the film. And uh, I just got it today. I haven't even opened it. So, I'm, you know, so there's always things coming up. And, uh, you know, I just, there's a club in the city that uh, just opened a couple of blocks for me. I'm going to see if I can have like Eddie Brill and Friends night, you know, once a month there. And so, you know, it's just nonstop. I can't stop. How do you feel about TikTok? I mean, there's a lot of these people out there making money off of comedians and their bits. And they're not even they're not even redoing the bit necessarily. I mean, they're just acting out the bit. They're lip syncing the bit. But it's still the comedian. So how do you feel about that? Because I know they're getting paid because they got all these views. Million views. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a mixed opinion. You know, you should never make money off of other people's stuff unless you give those uh, those other people money for using their stuff. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, you you know, you write a piece; it's your baby, and if someone takes steals your baby, you're going to be very upset. And that's happened to me a lot. I've had a lot of my jokes appear on uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and you know, people would listen to what I had to say and then take it on stage. And who's going to say anything about that? That is not right. rampant, but it does happen too much. It happens once it's too much. So I'm happy that people are making money on TikTok. I'm happy for people to be successful. But if you're going to do stand up, do your own stand up. If you're going to use somebody else's stand up and and lip sync to it, well, pay that person for the the right to, to use their bit. Yeah, and that, that that's a lot on TikTok. Let's go back to your Letterman days as you were the booker for the comedians. Um, when you like, did you go out to the clubs or like to scout all the comedians and 
and did you put yourself on on the schedule once a year at least well i had done the show a bunch of times before i was the booker so i was on the regular schedule but i had to get approval from the producers and all this kind of stuff and and i didn't put myself on i put myself on once in like the first in like six years i only put myself on once because i felt weird not and i didn't i again i had to get approved by the show and the material had to get approved by standards and practices and all that kind of stuff but dave wanted me to be on the show and when i hadn't done it in six years he says why didn't you haven't you been on the show and i said well i feel bad these other comics out there deserve to be on the show and he goes well you work here be on the show you know and <laughs> so, so but some comics are like oh you know he booked himself of course he booked himself but if they really knew the truth they would know that i've only booked myself a couple of times but um, to, as far as finding comics, the best way to find comics is from other comics who tell you, I worked on the road with this gal and she was hilarious and you have to see her, so, which has happened, you know, on many occasions, um, you know, great comics, you know, I remember Bonnie McFarlane and, you know, all these incredible comics that told me, um, you know, Louis C.K., you know, who got me the job at Letterman, he told me, cause he used to, I used to be the warm up at the Dana Carvey show. And Louis was one of the producers. So when he went to write for Letterman, Letterman asked the staff if they knew any warm-ups. And Louis said, you got to book Eddie Brill as the warm-up because he rocked it for the Dana Carvey show. So, you know, but these comics would go on the road and tell me who they saw. Now, also, I'm a working comic. So say I did the Denver Comedy Works and I do Wednesday through Saturday normally there. I'd stay there on Sunday another day and do have, have them put up 10 of their best local comics so I could watch them and take notes and uh, so I was out there getting you know I was making sure he would send me videos I'd watch it I mean there were thousands of requests and I had to say no 99.9% .9 of the time and there are people who hate me um, because I didn't put them on the show but if they knew what, I, my, what my job was and how hard it was to you know you can't please everybody when you can only uh, you can only book 0.0001% of the people that want to be on it you can imagine how many people like you know are angry and how people have come up to me and said you know i always thought you hated me and you didn't i said no i never hated you you weren't right for the show at the time or we only had this many spots and you're really funny or you know went to the producers and they said no you know and uh, you know that's the part i would never want to tell anyone but that happened you know that happens and it's you know it's not like the the whole point is is that you know, parts of me wish I never booked the show because I would have probably worked more on my own comedy career. But the other part is I really helped a lot of young comedians do, by doing this job, not only by putting them on the show, but helping them to grow as comedians and forcing them, not forcing, but nudging them to take their comedy to a very smart place, uh, one of a kind, unique. Random question. So okay. I'm watching, watching the Sox last night. Right. Oh, that's uh, yeah. This is random. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and there, there was, they were losing uh, to the Twins five to one tonight. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, and <laughs> Bill Burr was on between innings. Yes, I saw I love, that. I love. He's great, and he made fun of the vitamin water. That's what killed me. <laughs> yes, because vitamin water is a scam. You know, it's just as it's the most. It's so not refreshing and healthy, <laughs> and it's full of sodium, and you know, it's just it's as bad as like a diet soda. And right. he looks at it and he holds it up and says, oh, man, it looks like dirty pool water. And they go, yeah, but it, I hope it's not your um, your sponsor. And he said, they said, well, it has electrolytes. And he went, 
are electrolytes real? You know, <laughs> you know, no, that is a good as question. I go, yeah. As I go into, uh, so they asked him a great question, which is why so many, in his opinion, so many great comics come out of New England. And he was, you know, uh, you guys, you at em from Emerson and Dennis from Emerson, Emerson and a bunch of other names. And he said he, I thought his answer was great because there's just a bunch of characters in New England, as he said, who are typically funnier than I am, and they don't even know it. Right, exactly. Well, we were lucky. There was a, it was a great, you know, you can develop a community. Like I mentioned Denver. There's a woman named Wendy Curtis who runs the Comedy Works, and she really develops comics in her area. She focuses on making sure comics have stage time. She, you know, she is pushing them to do positive things. She gets people like me at the time to come watch these comics. Well, the Boston really was a community that was run by the older comics and a few producers. And uh, like Barry Crimmins was this guy who ran this club called the Ding Ho in Cambridge. And every comic who worked on the show, you he, you know, he made sure that you were great. Or even if you were starting out, that you had that in you, you were that you had that spark and you worked really hard <clears throat> and Boston was great and everyone looked out after each other. And if a comedian stole material, you know, that comedian probably would get his ass kicked. Yeah, you know, right. I remember right. there was this kid that I saw uh, in Montreal at a festival and I thought, wow, this guy's really funny from Boston, this, you know, young comic. And I started thinking about putting him on Letterman and I got a, like a hundred thousand phone calls from comics in Boston going, that kid's a thief and he's been stealing material from everybody in town. And luckily I found out and didn't put him on the show, you know. You know, uh, uh, you remember Joe Rocco. He was booking very well New Newport Comedy for for a couple of three or four or five years. Yeah, I did that. I think I did it two or three times. I used to work there before when they would have the jazz festival. They'd put a comedy show like it would be me and John Stewart or me and Dennis Regan, Brian Regan as well. And we right. would do these shows at the same time the jazz fest was going. What a great town. But Joe and Mark Rocco went to Emerson. Yep. And I knew them both really well. And I've seen Joe. Joe used to come by the Letterman show all the time with his wife. He'd get tickets through the networks or whatever. And I'd give them a tour of the building. You know, just a good guy. You know, oh, that's Joe the thing. You surround yourself with good people. Like Bill Burr, you know, one of the greatest guys. He looks out for other comics. He really tells the truth. When he was a young guy... Uh, doing stand-up I just loved his comedy and I I he, I he but at the time early on I gave him a piece of advice that I learned from other comics I he was everybody sucked but him in his act it never came back to bite him in the ass there was no vulnerability it wasn't right. compelling right. it was like you suck you suck fuck you you suck you suck and it was hilarious but like I learned from all these great comics, especially Robert Schimmel and comedians like that, where you have this bravado and it has to come back and bite you in the ass. So I gave Bill that uh, thing. I said, once you start, you know, showing your vulnerability, I'll put you on Letterman. He calls me up like uh, two weeks later and says, I got it. I understand what you mean. And we put him on Letterman. Um, and uh, now he's playing Fenway Park. You know, it, yeah. It, yeah. it's phenomenal. I, t I texted with him today. I laughed at that video and. And he's so, you know, he's like, you know, like any other performer, he, you know, it's, you know, you, what a dream for a kid from New England to be able to play at Fenway Park. I mean, come on. I mean, I, it's almost like being, you know, a, a baseball player in, in Fenway to be able to, you know, Ted Williams and Bill Burr batting third and fourth. You know? 
I, I used to, I would call it self-deprecating humor where you, you make yeah. fun of yourself, which is by far, in my opinion, the best way to go. When you can make fun of you, everybody's laughing with you if you're, if you do it well. Right. Because there's two ways to do it. We were sort of talking about this earlier. If you just shit on yourself and you're a piece of shit and I'm no good and I'm, that is not good at all. I mean, right. unless that's your style and you do that style and only do that style and then everyone laughs because it's so, it's a parody of that kind of a person. But when you shit on yourself, it's again, it's about being human, about going, look, I, I think I'm so great, but I'm, you know, I'm an idiot like everybody else. Right. You know, because we all all think we're superior to what we really are like. And we're all, <laughs> right. just, I'll speak for myself. I'm just a nerd, you know, just like anybody else. Nerds talking. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Good plug right there. Good plug. Johnny, you have anything for me? You're just staring at the screen, probably doing math. And Well, no, no, I was uh, enjoying the Hugh show. Are we going to bring relax. up the game again? Are we going to do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. We have a running joke, Eddie, where Hugh told us the game was the greatest one of movie my favorite movies ever. ever. So every time we review a movie, we compare it to the game, and the game's uh. bar is so low. <laughs> you know, it's like a midget on his knees. Oh, wow. That's, it just that's can't low. get any lower. No, yeah, yeah, it's pretty low. Yeah. And uh, so Hugh loves the game. Have you seen the game, Eddie? I saw that one. That's a pretty great movie. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Thank I you. I would say I would obviously it's not in my in my top ten because I didn't remember it right away. Yeah, Eddie, on, <laughs> during the break, uh, uh, you, were, you had mentioned uh, Celine Dion was not the best. She guess. was. She was. It was really weird. You know. Again, I don't. It's not fun to talk about people who are not you know behind their back or are not here to defend themselves. But you know, I would say that when we were at the show, she made everyone uncomfortable she fought with her husband in front of everybody she was you know she wasn't that nice and uh because she wasn't that nice i believe that's why she, i she was only on the show one time um you know because we were very everyone was nice to we had we were the letterman show was really great to the guests i mean that was our you know that was the call to arms like we the one thing that dave wanted everyone to be was great to the guests and all their whims, all their cares, all you know, and everyone loved come to our show. I mean, they really loved. There would be a lot of people, sports and actors, who would come to the green room just to hang out because it was a great place to come. And if anyone treated anyone badly, like a guest, or you know, treated one of the producers or a cameraman or a you know person who sweeps up, you know, if you weren't good to them, um, we they you wouldn't come back. You know, I didn't make any decisions as far as she was concerned, but she was really not that nice. She could have been having a bad day, but uh, in my opinion, from my eyes, from where I saw her, you know, she wasn't my favorite, you know? And uh, But also, it's an interesting thing. Like, I think of singers, you know, precious feelings for singers. My family, a lot of singers. My sister was an incredible singer. And, you know, Celine Dion has an amazing voice. It's beautiful, but it's like paint by numbers, you know? And it's it's like every note is right, you know, but then you hear somebody like Aretha Franklin and then it's real and it's, you know, Nina Simone. And it's just like, yeah. you know, heart wrenching. That's the kind of singing I like. And to me, Celine Dion is, you know, very good, but paint by numbers. So in advance, I didn't love her. So maybe she was sweet and I just hated her. <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum, can you uh, think of maybe one or two people that uh, appeared on the show and then their career took off 
because of it or from that show? so many all so many bands you know mm. like uh uh and a lot of them will say that um you know matchbox 24 and all those 20 or you know i forgot matchbox 20 20 uh, yeah yeah i'm thinking of the older the later group um <laughs> four <laughs> bands later no uh, matchbox 20 like you know every, you know the foo fighters and all these bands they'd come on the show when they were younger and they would do really well on Letterman and sell millions and millions of albums and their break would happen. I mean, there's a, you know, a lot of comedians had done, you know, have done well from being on Letterman, but it wasn't when it was more toward the time of Johnny Carson when comedians did well, because Johnny Carson was the only show on that people watched at that hour. Right. Right. When I was working at, um, you know, uh, at Letterman, there was Letterman, there was Leno, there was Conan, there was John Stewart. Daily Show and there's, uh, you know, there were like late night shows with uh, different, you know, other performers. And so it wasn't one show, you know, you, we would get like 5 million people to watch the show, whereas opposed to Johnny had like 20 and 30 and 40 million people watching. So it was different, you know, to be a comedian on those shows, like Drew Carey does his set the next day, he has a manager and a tour set up. It happened for the Letterman comics, but not like it, or but not like it did in the old days. Uh, before that, too many choices for people to watch. I see. Did you meet Johnny? I never did, but I ran a festival in his honor. I met his whole family again, like Clemente, another hero that I never got to meet. And uh, but you know, I saw him in real life because I was a warm up for Saved by the Bell for a very short time, and that was literally across the hall from the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. So. He'd walk out in the hallway and I'd see him, but, you know, he's running around and running from yeah. place to place. Oh, now uh, we have so many more questions. So you've met Zach Morris. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. Oh, yeah. him over. Here we go. Here we go. I met uh, them all they, when they were really uh, young. I Bell was here in the, really early on, 1987 or something like that. I mean, let's get to the controversy. We all know the whole Will Smith thing and Chris Rock. Right. But yes. you, you probably and I assume you've already talked about that on other outlets so we don't want to necessarily go there well the thing about first of all my feeling is that i always thought that chris rock was one of the greatest comics of all time and a guy who i had so much respect for and now i have like even more respect and he's just handled everything really beautifully <clears throat> and most comedians were like all saying oh there's going to be everybody's going to slap and there's going to be all this stuff going on i actually think the opposite i don't think i'm the only one who's ever said that I think now that it's out in the open and we ridiculed it and saw how ridiculous and how horrible, you know, smacking someone is, hope the audiences get learn their lessons and don't. And I yeah, think no, I'm, yeah, I know I'm the same as you. I we had this show and I I told the rest of this panel the same thing. People right. will be less likely to do it now because you'd only be mocked and like made fun of and felt right. you know utterly embarrassed of your stupidity. <laughs> yeah. I mean the people I mean people already you know, talk back to comedians at shows. I mean, I, I've right. been to shows where, you know, the comedian made the person in the front row cry because they picked on him so much. And I was, you know, right the table beside them. And I laughed and I'm like, just pick me, pick me. <laughs> talk about my dick. Anything. I'm, I'm open. I'm game. And the guy's like, you're too easy. I'm like, ah, son of a bitch. Well, again, so. there's so many different scenarios. If you're just yelling at people and shitting on them when it's not funny, then you're an insecure prick who has no act. That's my my feeling. <clears throat> Usually the crowd is, you know, you're you're supposed to go up there and tell your truth. And uh, if the audience likes it, great. If they don't like it, you know, they'll turn the channel or watch another comedian or whatever. 
You know, that's that's really the basic, the bottom line. When you see a comedian kissing the ass of the of the audience, it's almost like, you know, makes you want to puke. You know, as far as heckling is concerned, oftentimes what happens is um, there's an ego in the crowd. There's like, say a guy's on a date with his girlfriend and he's a very insecure guy. And he has a lot of, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't feel secure in who he is as a human. Then he sees his girlfriend sexually laughing at the comedian on stage and thinks, well, I'm going to show her that I'm as funny as this guy. And then they start heckling and they do it out of insecurity. And then if you put them down and really, you know, put them in their place, then they're even angrier because, you know, so what I learned is that one of the greatest comedians of all time, the best live comedian ever, ever, ever seen really is Paula Poundstone. And yeah. I worked with her years and years ago in San Francisco, a place called the other cafe. And I did a whole week with her and it was like a lesson in how to deal with hecklers. And what she did was she made them her best friends and they didn't, they, 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 she took the legs out from under them. They wanted to be heckling and mean or whatever. And they didn't know how to handle someone being really nice and making them, you know, friends and funny with them. And then you think of the world, you think like war, if to really make a right down crazy street, um, you look at a war and if you just attack somebody and they attack you and you attack them and they attack, it's just going to go on and on forever with attacking and nothing gets, gets accomplished. But if you getting attacked and you take the legs out from under people and just, you know, you, you know, nullify their attacks, you know, I'm not saying the physical bombs or stuff like that. Usually what happens is, you know, you can probably easily work it out and, and get past the bullshit because, if you look at war, what is war really? It's just a bunch of egotistical people trying to show that they're speaking of dicks, that they have, you know, bigger dicks than the other person. I mean, what's it really good for? As they yeah, say, absolutely nothing. Say it again. Exactly. Yeah. So you know what? You know what pissed me off again? I mean, I, I won't go down the street, but first of all, Chris, you're absolutely right. Right. Chris Rock handled that amazingly. Right. Secondly, supposedly he didn't know. So yeah, he wasn't. Of Third, the joke is actually a compliment because Demi Moore was hot in G.I. Jane. Yeah. So it was it's a compliment. Yeah. And last, he laughed. Yeah. His first reaction was to laugh. It's yeah, because it was funny. Of course it was. And then he looked yeah. over and, and grew his head and said, Maybe I need to get up. You know, yeah. it's like just asshole all the way around. You know what made me angry was the audience giving him a standing ovation when no he won the award. Like, you know. I would I would start talking to my neighbor and like not paying attention to him while he was doing his speech. Right. Not my literal neighbor, you know, not the person. Yeah, that'd be odd. Pick up your phone. Watch <laughs> I gotta make a phone Just call. Texting. Yeah. Texting. Yeah. I, yeah. By Hello. the way, get back my lawnmower. Are we good for the barbecue tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, oh, you're wow. a day late in it. I wrote a joke about that once. I said, Yeah, you know, I really want to thank the man upstairs for everything that happened. I go, not God, a guy up in apartment sixteen, you know, <laughs> he's a really good uh, maintenance guy. He's a, he's a, he's a immediately, source for jokes. <laughs> immediately, that that San Fran line comes back. Well, you're a day late in the dollar short, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's you know, you know, and that was a joke that that's was a more recent joke that I stuck in the middle of all these jokes with wordplay. You know, like you're day late, dollar short. It's like, well, here's the forty nine dollars for the concert for t for night's concert. And it's like, you idiot! The concert was last night, and the tickets were fifty bucks. Oh, oh. it's a day late and a dollar short. Um, just curious. I mean, since you're on nerd stock and why don't you, uh, tell us what you're watching these days? What, what, what do you do to pass the time? What's on your Netflix queue? 
uh, what movies you watch over and over again, things like My that. My favorite movie of all time is Cinema Paradiso. It's an Italian film. It's about the love of movies. It's number one. And I, it's very hard to say what your number one is. Um, number two is a film called Diva from 1981. It's a French movie that has three different plots that is so brilliantly crafted into one that you have to see it more than once because each new time you see it, you learn more and more about what really happened. And it's great. And my third favorite film is the um, director's cut of Blade Runner. Oh, so, yeah. You know, you know, is I think those are, you know, it's hard to say because I love movies like crazy. I lied my when I was 14 to get a job in a movie theater so I can lie my age so I can get a job. And I worked in a movie theater. I'm a movie fanatic, you know, um, so those but those three, I would say, are the three. You know, uh, Cinema Paradiso, because it's about film and I love film so much and it's about love and, and all that kind of stuff and all different kinds of forms of love. And the great, you know, Ennio Morricone is the, writes the music. And then of course this diva, which has an incredible soundtrack and this three plots, you know, meshing into one. And then of course, Blade Runner, which, you know, I was blown away by how smart and great that film was, but as what I'm watching now, I just I I was lucky enough the other night to see the first two episodes of uh, Better Call Saul, uh, which is coming into its last season. And I watch a lot of documentaries. Um, best thing I've seen in a long time is the Beatles film by Peter Jackson, The Let It Be. Ah, that was good stuff. And but I, yeah, I I I'm kind of bummed that it was over. I I it was like I got to hang out with the Beatles, and it kind of is sob a sob sobby sad not sad but like a syrupy uh thing but i really was thankful to, that i would live long enough to be able to see that because i was such a beetle fan and uh you know yeah it was it was pretty you're, amazing a little inside baseball here your third movie on your list we all called overrated last week i i mean that's just what we're that's i was bloyd runner bloyd who's bloyd yeah. Blade Runner, I said. Okay, I love Blade yeah. Runner. Yeah, um, and there's a few. There's a lot of different versions of the film, and there's the most recent film was the sequel of it. But yes. the original, uh, you know, it was just really smart. It was a, a script wise, it was a perfect script. And I think Harrison Ford is pretty amazing at what he does. But all the actors are great. Edward James, almost. I mean, it's yeah. all brilliant character actors in this film. Sean Young, you know, it's just really well done. Don't forget Rucker. Good old yeah, Rutger, Rutger Hauer. Oh my God, yes, you know, yes. and uh, you know, and, but then you know, like like being there. The uh, Peter Sellers movie is one of my favorite comedies of all time. It's very the more serious comedy, and then you know, there's stuff like you know, Blazing Saddles, and you know, I mean, uh, there's so many films and so you know, Mean Streets, the first, the De Niro's second film with Martin, his first with Martin Scorsese. It was one of the greatest films. Changed my life. Uh, seeing that film who's the funniest everybody can answer this one who's yeah. the funniest uh i would say who's the funniest at making comedies like which actor or comedian making movies like who do you think is like like the top of the bill like this guy made the best comedies or the smartest comedies. Who is that guy? Hugh. We'll go with Hugh first because he's really thinking hard and his hair is wild. Well, no, I was going to. Uh, <laughs> I've always liked. Well, I was just going to say something about comedies. I've always liked comedies that played straight. Like Galaxy Quest, for example, played straight. It could have yeah. totally been played. 
you know, as a goof and it made it so much better playing it straight. I mean, uh, but uh, man, Jesus. I mean, I what guess Mel, Mel Brooks, from? Mel got, Brooks. Yeah. You got Mel, you got Robin, you got Jim Carrey. I mean, who well, are you talking about director, one? director, no, no, or actor? Direct, those aren't directors. I'm talking about guys that, uh, that actually star in the movies, like, or even comedians that transition, like, uh, uh, what do you call Eddie Murphy? You know, is he the top of the heap or is he not? Because he made a lot of bombs later in his career. Yeah, but so his great comedies are incredible. Oh, know? yes. So true. So true. Yeah. Uh, Hugh, I'll give you a second. We'll jump over to Carlos. Carlos, you're a go to funny haha guy in movies. I mean, you can even go with somebody like Tom Hanks. He has some comedy. No, I'd go with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is number one on his list. Jim Carrey, number one comedic Jim actor. Carrey. All right. Johnny, go ahead. I'm going to go with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell ah, done a pull. lot that I mean just the Talladega Knights stepbrothers even his bad stuff is is it still makes me laugh I mean it is hard to top those to your name though even old school he oh. Frank the Tank oh. <laughs> don't forget old school <laughs> we're streaking <laughs> no no one's streaking Frank <laughs> Hugh right back at you Hugh uh, I could go with Will even though when I Will who Will Ferrell when I we interviewed him he was it was right well, after he did Anchorman. I mean, and then and I said, give us your story about what you told Will Ferrell. Well, no, I just said, you know, because uh, there were sometimes I was working with interns, so they didn't know anything about anything. So I just jumped in and said, what is love? You know, as we're about to do the interview right after that movie, pretty much a fastball down the middle, you know, just here you go it, at 80. And he was like, what? Never I mean, mind. It, Never it mind. Confusing question. Well, what's funny is that after you told that story on the podcast, and People magazine that came out a week or two weeks later, he said that exact thing. People come up to him and will go do something funny. And he's like, well, what do I do? You know, I, like like Johnny said, hey, monkey, do a trick, you know, like dance for me. I mean, it's kind of hard to put a guy in a spot like that, whether he know whether he just finished. I mean, to you, he just finished the movie, but he actually finished it maybe six months or a year ago. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, it, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Eddie? Yeah. Eddie. For, me, for me, it's Richard Pryor. You know, he. Every movie that he ever was in, he made it better. The minute he came on on the screen, always made me laugh. He was so good, you know, especially like in the Gene Wilder movies, like Silver Street. You know, he was amazing in that film. And, you know, when he he did a lot of concert films, too. He was one of the early comedians to do concert films. Robert Klein was the first HBO special. But prior, you know, he did a lot of movies and he would play serious characters. Uh, and but to me, he's the guy. Yeah, Richard Pryor. Yeah, he's uh, he had some some really good movies. Uh, I don't know, Carlos. Carlos had a good one. I mean, Jim Carrey was like the '90s star, and yeah. man, that guy just had movie after movie where you're like, I gotta go see it, no matter if it wasn't to your liking. I gotta go see Jim Carrey's movie. Cable Guy. Cable Guy. You know what's funny? Cable Guy is a movie that if you watch now, you'd appreciate it more. But if you were too young to watch it, you were like, this is horrible. Why isn't he talking out of his butt? Right, you know, <laughs> it's funnier every time. I see yeah, that. and but you watch it now, you're like, oh, I get it. No, no, no. I it's as much better now when you're older and and you just understand the dark humor of it. And, you know, I mean, even Ben Stiller has some great, you know. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, man, comedies are, I don't know, they they're not quite the same nowadays. They're not over the top like they used to be. You know. Yeah, there are a lot of silly films that were, you know, are fun. And then, like, that's why the Will Ferrell movies are fun, because they're silly. You know, uh, there was a film uh, 
by the director Peter Bogdanovich, who died recently, uh, called What's Up, Doc? And it's just yeah. slapstick. And uh, it was one of the uh, one of the movies I never, my father and I and my sister went, and we laughed literally so hard that it was like falling off the chair laughing. And it was unexpected because we thought, you know, like a Barbara Streisand uh, movie, you know, Ryan O'Neill was just going to be like a love story, but it wasn't. It was this silly, you know, it was almost like a formulaic slapstick film that was just one gag after another that was pretty funny. What and is, no, go ahead, finish. finish I was just going to say that, you know, there's like a Broadway show called Noises Off very similar where it's all slapstick it doesn't matter who the actors are in it in a lot of ways because it's such a brilliantly written and crafted uh, piece and what movie this goes for everyone what's the movie you remember that you and eddie just kind of touched on it the funniest movie you remember ever seeing in theaters like just roll out of your seat you're you're the tears are rolling so much the screen's blurry <laughs> which movie is it that you can recall johnny you're first what movie made you blind oh wait no, hold up hold <laughs> on hold on we gotta rephrase oh that. hey that's a, <laughs> that's, oh. that's a that's a different lane altogether Those are a whole different yeah, right. yeah. Oh. Now, what movie was it that you uh literally just just was too much to handle comedy i think it was dumb and dumber i mean mm. i just remember all the just from beginning to end all the jokes and then, you know, watching it a, a second and a third time, I'm like, oh, well, I obviously missed this part because I peed my pants and I had to go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> and it was that kind of funny. <laughs> that yeah, that <laughs> shit was hilarious. Uh, Carlos, give me the movie that made you laugh so much that you couldn't the even. The same as Johnny. It's Dumb and Dumber. And to this day, it's my favorite comedy. Uh, I mean, who the hell sells a dead parrot to a blind kid? <laughs> <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> and the, just the thought that <laughs> our pets' heads are falling off, and then Lloyd is not Lloyd, but uh, uh, Jeff Daniels' character is like, Yeah, he was old. Apparently, he thought parrots get old, their heads pop off. So, it's just, <laughs> yeah, man, that movie is just great. That movie is, and that just that scene right there, though, is just Hugh. Well, with Carlos, what he just mentioned, it another one came to mind Monty Python. And the Holy Grail, oh, which I Grail. thought was hilarious. I just that saw is that, a like, funny movie. So good. You know, is... Barry, you're dead. I'm, you know, just... <laughs> I'm oh, still alive. I'm not dead. <laughs> I, yes, I still are. remember. Yeah. First time seeing that, and the guy that had the coconuts for the horse, and I'm like, uh -huh. that was just so hilarious. Oh my god! And when he just yeah keeps cutting the dude's limbs off and just keep fighting me, and he's like, Howard, come back. Yeah, she exactly. had no legs. She's like, really? Like you want me to keep fighting? That's so yeah. good. Uh, Eddie, what movie is it that you I recall? I when I was you know said I was growing up, I would go to every movie that was playing in town, and there was only a few movie theaters. I was from New York, but I grew up in South Florida in junior high school and high school. So when I was 14, I mean, I'd go to movies all the time, um, but we now was able to go to for free because I worked in a movie theater. So I would see everything. And I went to go see Blazing Saddles and I thought it was a serious cowboy movie. I didn't know that it was a comedy. <laughs> so my friend Pete Widener and I went together, we sat there and it started serious. If you remember, you know, he's on the, they're doing the railroad tracks and, you know, and it just started going off the rails. 
And so not expecting it to be a comedy and being one of the funniest comedies ever, that was a literal fall off the, the chair. I literally fell on the ground laughing uh, that hard. It, and it's still on Netflix. You can catch it still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's on HBO so, Max as well. Oh, HBO um, Max? Okay. How do you think a movie like Blazing Saddles could be made today? Be very hard. Very hard. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's rape jokes and... There's a lot of there's a lot yeah, of a lot of, in yeah. that movie. Yeah, let's a just stick to rape jokes. Like, what did yeah, we'll, you say? We'll go I as said, far as those rape yeah. jokes. Yeah. We'll yeah. Else. Punching a horse, you know, you you know, it's just like, you know, there's like so many things that go on, you know, oh, the, the language one. and all that kind of stuff. And you know, Richard Pryor wrote that he was one of the writers. Oh, and, really? On that film, yeah. He was supposed to be in it, but they thought he was a little too wild at the time because supposedly he was partying like crazy during that time and that's why Cleavon Little got the part instead of him. I thought he was great. Yeah. Cleavon yeah. Little was great. And the reason I bring it up because I was watching it just turned on Bridesmaids one day. It was mm. on TBS or something. And I just like I remember this movie was hilarious. It literally made me like cry <laughs> tears. And then the scene was on where they're trying all the bridesmaids dresses but they all got food poisoning. Oh god. So they just all all like start throwing up and shitting everywhere. <laughs> And the bride runs to the street and shits in the middle of the street. And you're like, oh, this movie was hilarious. That's right. Tina Fey writes genius stuff. Yeah. But, you know, here's but, a little one little secret yeah. about Blazing Saddles that I found after the 3000th time I listened to it. When they're going over to see Lily von Stupp at the place that the at the the big dance hall, you know, both uh, the both guys, Cleveland Little and uh, Gene Wilder were walking over. The music playing in the background is the music from the Mel Brooks movie before the producers. Mm. So you you hear you know Laha for Hitler and Germany, but you hear <laughs> the music, and it's just a nice touch that unless you know because you don't think about the background music always, but they're playing the background music of the Mel Brooks movie from before, which I thought was really clever. Yeah, that's I catch it. It's on HBO Max. I mean, people probably I would say most people haven't seen that movie. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, it is I think it'll 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 shock people this day for sure. Watching yeah. Blazing Saddles like what? The, they made this yeah. movie yeah. back then. People weren't, you know, up in arms about everything. So ah, it's what it is. You hold it. We'll be right I'm back after it. this on Nerds Talking the Podcast. Itch away. If you're itching, itch away. Itch away. May cause itching. Welcome back to Nerds Talking, the podcast. I'm here with Carlos, Johnny, Hugh, Eddie, and I'm Lafayette. And as we were on break, Hugh was anxious. And he's like, I have questions. I have many of them. I have threefold. And I was I like, prepared. ooh, interesting. I prepared. And he prepared. He took notes. Uh, he studied Eddie all day long. No, I already know uh, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, that's true. Hugh does know Eddie. It's a little, little inside there. Hugh actually does. How do you guys know each other before we even get to your question? Emerson a little bit, but he was gone probably before I got there. Right. I and then I knew a lot of the uh, brothers from uh, the frat there who theta. Um, yeah, where'd you go to college? Didn't you go to a college like uh, I, I went? Yeah, I went to IU first and BU for a year right. where I played ping pong primarily. Oh, and, then, nice. well, and then I went to Emerson where I really, when I look back, I don't try to regret, but when I look back, I should have done four at Emerson. It's the best school I went to by far. Yeah, not was, even, not even close. Great, but we had a mutual friend that sort of from Hingham, Massachusetts, that connected us. Oh yeah, you mean uh, Rick? 
Rick. Yeah. Yeah. When he was one of my best friends and, yeah. and, and actually Joe and I are, have been press friends all the way to today. I mean, ever since Emerson. Um, so yeah, the question and that's, you know, 40 years, 40 something years ago, you know, yeah. Great. Yeah. 1980. Um, right. Hugh, it's your time. Well, it's so we were talking about like favorite, com- uh, comedic movies that you fell off the chair for so i would ask the same question about favorite comedian moments that you just died laughing at if you can remember them yeah i i remember the funniest moment ever in the world for me was my one of the girls we went to college with was rochelle joseph oh rock you're rock and rock's godfather was danny thomas Danny I didn't Thomas. Know that. Yeah. Danny Thomas and Marlo Thomas, his daughter, and Tony Thomas, the son, ran um, the St. Jude's. Danny Thomas created St. Jude's. And it's the most amazing uh, hospital. And it takes care of kids and kids and their, and their families. And it's just spectacular. And I've been involved for years with them running charities and all this stuff. So we were invited to the Los Angeles St. Jude's function. Me and my friend Chris Phillips, who you might remember, um, we were roommates in L.A. at the time, part of the and, and lived across the street from each other in New York at the same time, oddly enough. Um, Chris and I were invited by Rock Rochelle to go to this party. When we get there, it is every celebrity that you ever dreamed of that was in L.A. at the time. I mean, every <laughs> single celebrity. It was really just I met Bob Hope. I, met, I mean, it was every, it was ridiculous. <laughs> old and young, you know, um, just incredible actors. And everywhere we looked, it was like being a kid in an actor candy store. Every actor you ever, you know, John Voight was sitting right next to me. You know, it's just like, it was, it was almost ridiculous. And the <laughs> entertainment in the show were three comedians. And one was Danny Thomas, one was Steve Allen, and the closer was Milton Berle. So Milton Berle gets up on stage to do his part. And it was really funny. A lot of funny stuff. People are in a good mood. You're raising money for a good cause. It was every famous person in the world was in the room. And Milton Berle goes, look, all, I just want to point out one person in the audience that um, um, Ernest Borgnine is here, ladies and gentlemen. And Ernest Borgnine, if you don't know who he is, he won an Academy Award Best Actor in a movie, Marty. He was in... Uh, Mikhail's Navy, he was the lead guy. He was a brilliant actor. He wasn't a handsome guy. He was very, he looked like a bulldog, and he, but he was this brilliant actor, great guy, whatever. So, so Milton Burrow says, ladies and gentlemen, of all the great actors in this room, all the celebrities, all of the superstars, there's one guy in here that I want to give, point out, and, you know, he's an Academy Award winning actor, the whole thing. Ladies and gentlemen, Ernest Borgnine. And the crowd cheers like they won the Super Bowl. They stand up, <laughs> standing ovation for like three or four minutes. And Milton Berle does a double take and looks at the area and goes, oh, sorry, ma'am. And it was bedlam, bedlam. You know, the laughter was ridiculous. It was so perfect. It, I, I, there's no way I can even make the moment as perfect as it was. Well, I told Letterman that story. He did, he did that once in the audience um, at Letterman. He, he repeated that that thing. It was really the funniest moment I've ever seen in person. And Milton Berle was the one who delivered it. And I mean, every, the audience was 
I was too. We were hook, line, and sinker cheering for Ernest Borgnine. Meanwhile, he's shitting on an ugly lady. <laughs> Milton Burrow. I mean, I think oh, we all Jesus. know who that is. Um, Father Johnny, Johnny knew who that is, right? Just want to ask Johnny real quick. Johnny knew Milton Burrow is, right? Come on, Google's going to tell me. Really? Of course. He was one of the first the man with the television show. For, you know, Oh, he was he was hilarious. He, what, sure. is, what is your moment? No, I'm gonna go last. Oh, you're gonna go last? Okay. Uh Carlos. I took so long, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, no, don't worry about that. We're just fine. Uh Carlos, what is your comedic moment? You've seen a stand-up comedian, you just laughed your ass off. Um, I'm gonna have to go uh recent. Uh I went to go, I went to the local comedy club here and dan soder was performing oh he's hilarious and man that guy was so funny he had me crying he had me bent over just and i took a buddy of mine who had never seen him or never even heard of him and uh yeah we were just it was a great time we just, just i mean i love watching stand-up comedy live but when i saw dan it was just hilarious this guy just funny right oh he's he's i remember watching just going to a comedy club and he was, I don't know who he was just, yeah. Oh, okay. We just watch a show. And he was the headliner and it was the funniest shit. Johnny, go ahead. Give me I'm, a comedian. I'm going to go with uh, Kevin Hart. And this was probably about 15 years ago. So mm. he, he was just starting out before he got big. Um, I think he had, had done soul plane recently, but um, yeah, when he came to Sacramento, it was, it was amazing. Uh, it, fall out of the seat laughing. Like I didn't want to, go go up and get another drink type because i didn't want to miss anything or i didn't want to go to the bathroom i mean it was just i didn't want to miss a moment of it. it was amazing yeah mine would be uh mitch hedberg oh yeah um oh, yeah. man carlos was with me oh, and we yes, that was ass off that night he was he, he was so awkward with his delivery and his jokes were so left field but they were hilarious as all hell and he made fun of somebody that came with us <laughs> it was <laughs> The funniest joke. Carlos can tell the joke. Carlos, what did Mitch do to the individual that came with us? Well, the person that invited us to go with her because she had two extra tickets. So she called me up and I met Lafayette there and we went to the and we sat front side stage, but front because she wanted to sit in the front because Mitch was her favorite comic. And she was wearing a T-shirt that said DKNY. One way during the show, Mitch looked over at her and said, DKNY. Bitch, buy me a vowel, and everybody <laughs> roared. And the look hilarious. on her face was like, uh, not just uh, say that. The rest of the show, she was like, "Fuck this guy." He didn't laugh <laughs> one bit, and it was her favorite comedian, and she was so upset. The rest oh, of the show, <laughs> and it was the funniest shit because we were laughing so hard at that joke. And oh, Mitch, rest in peace. Uh, Hugh, go ahead. He Eddie knows us. where Eddie knows where I'm going. Oh, wait, hold on. So, Eddie, do you know? Not sure. Okay. Hmm. Well, having, and this is live, okay? I'm, I'm not talking. Oh, yeah. uh, We're talking about live. That's what Well, no, about. I know. There's there's some great moments in recorded that I've seen. Live, it was Eddie Brill. And oh, it was. What? I didn't know you would say that. Yeah, no, it was the, I mean, I the speed racer bit, which is why I was, I mentioned it earlier. You probably don't even remember barely remember it. You told it to me earlier. And yeah, I, I remember it, the idea of it, but uh, it was just something where you know he was talking about. Do you remember the Speed Racer cartoon 
you guys, you probably don't. It's, of course. Yeah. Yes. Racer yeah. X. Early. Yeah, it's something where, yeah, where you ended with, oh, it's just something. And I, I took somebody to that show. I remember that, but <laughs> I just remember I, I was in the front row and I was dying. I was like, well, that's really nice and flattering. Yeah. There the, was Speed Racer was a, you know, Japanese cartoon and they would overdub it in English, but using these Japanese actors and they would talk in a way that was not English. You know, they would, everything would race and they talk and they say their sentences all together and they talk like this <laughs> and they'd always end, oh, at the end of the <laughs> Yeah, that's like, how the show went. Yeah, you know, that's how that show went. Yeah. 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 Come on, give me a car. I got to get out of here. Oh, <laughs> and there was no reason to have that ah at the end. They just didn't know how to do it. It was a very Japanese <laughs> style thing. So it was, you know, I mean, I remember the reason I came up with this because I was in Italy on a school tr thing with my one of my best friends. We we went to meet her grandfather. She had never met her grandfather in Italy. And uh, we went off to go see him and Speed Racer was on the TV, but in Italian. So it was kind of interesting to hear how there wasn't a oh, you know, that these guys were doing. And that made me laugh because I just remembered how watching as a kid was important. And all the, the stories were told in such a sped up, fast, un-English way with the grunt at the end. And it just made me laugh. And I'm, I, you know, until you brought it up earlier tonight, I had, hadn't even thought about that joke. That was so long ago. And what's funny is you probably don't remember, but right after I'm dying, lying on the floor, you looked over and you said, first time seeing comedy, Hugh? <laughs> I, I don't remember that at all. Oh, no, I remember. I don't. I don't remember a lot of things, but that yeah. I remember for sure. I have a weird good memory, but some things are gone. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah, died. Yeah, you, well, you did. Oh, good heavens! Good heavens! Uh, Eddie, do you still are you still in touch with uh, David Letterman? You know, not not really. The, we're in touch with everybody, pretty much like the band, all the guys and gals in the band. We're all friends and the director, we go have dinner and the camera folks and the crew, we all talk, we're all still friends. But Dave's kind of like more separate now. He had, you know, when he did his new show, which is on Netflix, we pleasure to introduce or whatever it's called. It was a good show, but none of us from the show were on it. None of the cameras, none of the, the directors, none of the producers, you know, it was just, I guess after 33 years of doing that thing, he just wanted to clean slate with a new group of people he was never mean or anything i just you know he he treated us really well he was he was very loyal to us we were all you know we all love working for him but as he's moved on he's you know i think he's probably seen only a couple of people a few times well, he lives yeah. in montana right i think well he has houses all over That's many true. many he's, places he's you know, loaded yeah. yeah, he's he's doing okay. It's a part. He's doing okay. City. He's doing all right. He, he has a part right. in the city. He has something upstate. He has something in Martha's Vineyard. He has something in the islands, and you know. But he made a he made a little bit of money in his life. It's good. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. CBS took care of him. Yeah, Viacom. Yeah, yeah. He's he's good. <laughs> all these years in showbiz, um, can you tell me maybe a handful of people like uh, that you've met that were maybe on your bucket list or local heroes? And is there anyone that you haven't met and you would still like to meet? Maybe like a, a Bob Newhart or a, just one of your heroes growing up? Well, see, that was why I'm lucky. I've got to meet Newhart. I got to meet Rickles and become very close with Don Rickles. Uh -huh. You know, like just thrills. I got to meet Sophia Loren, who was my, you know, my crush as a little boy. You know, I, I really am lucky. 
that I got to meet most of the famous people. The people I didn't meet that I wish I would have met, I already said Clemente, I never met him in person. John Lennon, I would have loved to have met in person and Johnny Carson. And of course, you know, you can't meet those people, but um, you know, there are, you know, certain actors like Robert Mitchum, I always thought was great. I always wanted to meet him. Um, but I guess it's hard to say nowadays uh, if there's, you know, the, what's his name from, uh, oh God, I can't think of his name, the Ozark. I would love to meet him and his friends, that group of guys. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman and the, the Canadian guy. Uh, my brain is fried. All the guys in his group of friends, I think mm -hmm. those are people I've never met from the era of nowadays. And I think they're really brilliantly funny and not only brilliantly great actors, but producers and creators and good people and all that. But yeah, it, as far as, you know, I mean, I've been very lucky to meet like I met James Brown and had an incredible experience with him. I met Joan Rivers, had an incredible experience with her. And she helped me with my very first Letterman uh, performance. I met her uh, once before, but then I met her. I was fly flying home. She happened to be at the on the same flight. And I was about to do Letterman for the first time. And she helped me with my set and put, uh, and yeah. she helped me, you know, make it a better, stronger set, you know, so. I've really been very lucky, I guess, if I don't use the word blessed often, I'm not a blessed kind of a person, but I think that I am blessed that I've had gotten to meet a lot of the, these incredible people in my life. Just the fact that I worked with David Letterman was pretty incredibly special for me. Like every once in a while, in 17 years, you know, I never took it for granted. I'd look down at the desk and there'd be David and I'd go, that's fucking David Letterman. You know, like every <laughs> once in a while I go, you know, I met, I had a, an experience with Paul McCartney, which was the greatest, uh, you know, experience of my life in show business. You know, I got to meet him and I got to come up with an idea for the uh, segment that he was doing and also be on the marquee with him and talk with him and make him laugh and talk to him about music. And, you know, it was, it was pretty incredible, special night, you know, so it's been amazing. You know, I'm very, I'm, I'm blessed as I, as I would maybe not say. <laughs> Carlos, do you have anything uh, for Eddie? I do. What a surprise. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Hugh. It's your show. Uh, no, no. I got it is. It, it is. Eddie, um, have you ever given advice to a comedian um, that was so bad that you actually told them to probably not do comedy? No. And then what would be the top number one advice you'd give to an up and coming comedian that probably is not right. doing so well. No, I think that anyone who takes the chance or, you know, who goes on stage and gives it a chance deserves all the respect in the world because it's, you know, it's so hard to do and it's so many factors and you really have to be born with it. You know, it's not something that you can buy at the store or, you know, you're either funny or you're not. And it's so important that uh, you do that. But, you know, if a comedian is just really bad at it, yeah, I still want them to, they get my respect for giving it a try or putting the work in that that comes with it. But the the best advice is the advice that I got. I mean, you know, it's a real, you know, uh, many com comedians really look out for other comedians. You might hear these stories, but in reality, my life has been littered with comedians who like Sam Kinison and I can name drop, you know, 10 people that would, you know, drop, blow your mind that helped me when I was a young comedian um along the way and the 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 advice the best advice is stage time stage time stage time you just got to get on stage and you got to write all the time it's a job you're going to and uh 
And because the more you do it, the better it, the better you get at it. So you just can't help it. You know, like I, I've been doing it in a row for 38 years almost. And if, after 37 years, I'm pretty good at it. But a year later, I will be so much better than I was the year before. It just, just happens that way. Because you put the work in and you get on stage all the time. Yeah, like you know, repetition, right? You yeah. Need that. You need that constant repetition of, of it's funny you did what you said too is either you're born funny or you're not. There's a lot of buddies I know that they think they're the funny guy in the group and mm -hmm. we all know they're not. And yeah. we're just like, just play along with it. Yeah. You're hilarious, buddy. You're hilarious. Yeah. Go ahead. Take your take your eyes to your balls again. That was funny. <laughs> uh, like that's the only joke they got. <laughs> like Hugh, <laughs> you're anxious. You're sitting there, you're like, I'm sweating. I gotta say something. Go ahead, Hugh. Go for it. Well, no, I was just gonna ask if um there have been, you know, when we talked about live, mm -hmm. definitely. Uh, I like smart comedy, and I think you're a guy who does smart comedy. You know, it's it's not, you know, hitting your head comedy, like like some guys do. And so I think of like there were guys I I put down, and I'm just kind of curious what you think of some of these guys. Uh, you know, some of them are obviously huge, like Ricky Gervais. I think is very yeah, I think he's brilliant, and he's funny, and he, you know, you just watch that he doesn't care. You know, he, he does. It's no bullshit. You know, he, it's just right. telling telling his truth and and really just calling calling it out on people who usually get their asses kissed. It's really like, great. Like a guy like Jim Jeffries is another guy that comes to mind. One of the greatest comics I've ever seen ever and smartest guys I've ever seen. And his show on Comedy Central, although I love, um, you know, John Oliver and all those kind of shows, um, Jeffries had the best of all those shows. He was the best. The show was hilarious. Yeah. Yes. The it was smart was and it was it wasn't taking sides. Yeah, yeah. Another good uh, is John John Mulaney. Yeah, brilliant comedian. That dude is his special on Netflix. He he kind of uh he copies like Sesame Street. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen it. Oh my god. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a kid show, but right. it's all just adult humor and it's the funniest shit. Who uh, else is on your list? Louis Black. Yeah, another Lewis great Black. comedian. Well, he, he's straightforward, though. He's like, oh, yeah. this it, Lewis Black is. You're gonna either love him or hate him. There's no middle ground, right? He's, so, he's, smart. he's smart. You know, one thing. My favorite comedians, most of them are really smart and good people, and and you know, really, really just that's the thing. The smartest people I know are mostly comedians, and uh, Lewis Black, I would put him in that category. Yeah. Um, you know, guys like Gervais and all these people, they're really intelligent people yeah. in order to, or, you know, out of it in such a way that they walk their own line that they've created. And, you know, uh, so, yeah, all those guys. Mulaney is a brilliant, I think, the best young stand up out there. And there's also Mark Norman, who's really great. And Joe List is really great. And, uh, oh, I just lost his name. He's a New York guy and he's just so. Oh, I can picture him. I hate when I do that, but um, yeah, Jerry you know. Seinfeld, he's a New York guy, right? So yeah, he's from Long Island. <laughs> Min oh, Min Min he's from, uh, I've got the city in Long Island, but he's, uh, you know, always been a top notch writer and, you know, his, him and Larry Charles, Larry David and Larry Charles, the, the you know, writing all the Seinfeld episodes and coming up with stuff, you know, it's a great group of incredibly hilarious people. Oh yeah, for sure. Hugh, is your list over? I need oh, more. No, I even like the, uh, I liked a number of the Kings of Comedies, which are kind of oh, a, Bernie a Mac, totally different direction, but Hewley. Cedric the Entertainer, I thought. Right, the Entertainer. 
Oh my god. Yeah, Damon Wayans, I think, is one of the greatest underrated comics of all time. He's the closest to Richard Pryor that I've ever seen, and I could I could watch him for hours. You know, he would come to the comedy store, just sit down and start playing, and it was a brilliant and nice man who also helped me uh, as well. You know, uh, but yeah, Bernie Mac, he was very sad about he died way too young. He was not only the greatest guy in the world, but he was one of the most original, funny guys out there and how about you i didn't i didn't hear you mention one not one on your list not a oh, one female Kevin, comedian I, oh geez that's well, right who? i need ahead, one female comedian from everyone who paula is poundstone, the best comic i ever seen of all paula, of them. paula poundstone what yeah. hilarious true well, you Johnny? Have a favorite comedian don't you no i don't she's horrible yeah, sure she, you do <laughs> she does a joke about the <laughs> You can go away. No, oh, there's a story so here, Eddie. There's Angela a story Johnson. here. Angela yeah. Johnson. She's I never not met her. Funny. Yeah, you don't need to. Okay. Yeah, I told her she wasn't funny on Twitter, and we went back and forth like 30 times. Oh. Yeah, and then she just wouldn't <laughs> drop it. I kept telling her, hey, I saw your last special. Tell me when I, there's a joke in there. And she didn't appreciate it. And, um, you know, yeah. that's what it is. You can't. I don't know. It's hard. I think it is hard for men sometimes to relate to female comedians. Because male comedians, you know, like it's like sports, right? We get it. Like, ah, that's funny. We relate to it. And then when you're watching female comedians, sometimes you're like, ah, I mean, you're funny, but, uh, you know, I, I get the joke. Right. But it doesn't resonate with me as a male so much. Um, you know, there's an interesting thing about our society, how you look back and in, in the beginning of time or the first man or the, all that kind of stuff and the Bible and all these religious books and women are always secondary and sometimes tertiary uh, people in the stories. They're, they're never really the, the leads, Adam and Eve, if it wasn't for Adam, you wouldn't have Eve, you know, God's a man, his son's a man, you know, it's just this kind of thing that we've grown up with. And it, it, you know, it, it makes people think, you know, treat women poorly. Um, same thing, people of color or slavery or all that kind of stuff that was in all the early religious books and been carried through the centuries about people of color and all this kind of stuff. And, and it's interesting because, you know, I, you know, I've been approached about female comics all the time. And, uh, you know, since I started my comedy club back in 1984, I always had a lot of female comics on, not because they're female, but because they're really funny. So I don't look at comics as male and female so much. I look at them, you know, that they actually make me laugh and I can relate to their stories, but I see them not trying to, again, pander to me, not try to, I like seeing all comics, men and women, be authentic and, uh, and, and be their, you know, their, 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 tell their truths. And there are so many of them. Caroline Ray is a brilliant comedian who, one of the best live comics I've ever seen. And Wendy Liebman is incredible. And, you know, uh, it's just on and on there, you know, and there, there's, you know, uh, you can go, you can, there's long, you mentioned Tina Fey and, you know, she might have not have been a standup, but she's a brilliant, brilliant, you know, comedy person, actor, writer. Um, so I've, I've learned to look at life and realize that, yes, we were born into a society that puts women down, puts down people of color. And that's comes from a very shallow, not loving, good way. And once I realized that, you know, my mother was the funniest person in my family. Um, my niece is now the funniest person in my family because my, my mother passed the mantle on to her. But um, 
the people are very funny. It's just that as a man, sometimes our ego, you know, gets in the way of us being able to appreciate a lot of things or our training as young men, like, you know, uh, you read, a, you see a magazine and they don't, they show a naked girl, but you don't see her nipples. And so your whole life is like, I've got to see nipples because they've kept the nipples from me. And it has nothing right. really to do with who the person is or whatever. It's just that psychological beatdown that we've had our whole lives uh, about what's good and what's beautiful and what's sexy and what's fun. You know, if it makes us laugh, it's funny. Like someone will say, well, you know, I saw this comedian. They didn't make me laugh. Well, if they make somebody laugh, they're fun. That comedian's funny. And so I don't look at them as men and women. Well, people try to pin that on. Yeah, Hugh, add one to your list. We're waiting. Well, no, I, I just was going to say that I've seen little bits on TikTok with mm-hmm. female comedians. Just li- no, real, not people. The actual comedians. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't tell you right off the, but there were a whole bunch that were, and I realized it's the best of, maybe there are eight seconds of a really great bit, but there were definitely some that, that were hilarious. And I can't, off the top of my head, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you who that is, but absolutely. Johnny, uh, you got one for me? A uh, female comedian? Yes. Um, Sarah Silverman? Ah, she's hilarious. Yeah. Yes. Um, like Whitney Cummings. I mean, I, I, ah, really I was about to say that. Too. She's funny Whitney's too. Yes. hilarious and getting funnier and better and better and better because she puts the work in and doesn't take herself seriously. She's great. Yeah. Uh, Carlos has one. Sorry. He's Nikki like Glacier. I like Nikki. Yeah. Glacier. Oh, she's funny. Nikki's hilarious. There's Ali Wong. Schlesinger. Oh, Ali like Wong is great. Yeah. That's right. Ali Wong. Oh, Schlesinger. Yeah. I think her first That's name is Eliza. Uh, I think Eliza, Eliza she went right? To Emerson. She was an Emerson. Oh, really? Another Emerson. Yeah. Man, another Emerson. So, so is Jennifer that. Coolidge. And so is uh, mm. oh, yeah. oh, Jennifer Coolidge. Wow. They're all Emerson people. Uh, Je- Jennifer Coolidge, David Cross, Bill Burr, Anthony Clark. I didn't know uh, Bill Burr. Bill yeah. Burr? Bill Burr went to Emerson. Uh, Jay Leno, Henry Winkler. Um, like I said, David Cross. Um, so many comedians, Dennis Leary, Mario Cantone, Stephen Wright. Yep. You know, yep. Uh, yep. Uh, the head writer of the uh, of Fridays uh, was um, Lauren Dabrowski, you know, Dennis's girlfriend in college. And, you know, it's like there's so many great Emerson. We had we had a good com. We put together a comedy program and it was wildly successful. Gina Gershon went there for yeah. a minute for a minute. She did. <laughs> yeah. After then- I had graduated. But I got to meet her. <laughs> Someone All I right. know saw well, at a party, and that was um, <laughs> anybody help anything before we close out this episode of Nerds Talking the podcast. Johnny's like, "No, nah, I got nothing. I got nothing." I was going to say Joy Coy. You know what's weird is that when I said that oh, line Joy- way earlier <laughs> about nerds, I forgot that was the name of the show. And then you said, "Oh, how convenient!" <laughs> saying, what do they mean? And then it's like, oh. <laughs> "I just hit you right now." Ah, these guys are nerds. <laughs> oh, what wait, am I doing here. I got something for you, Lafayette. Oh, Best. Okay. You talked about your best three movies. Give me your best for these guys superhero mm. movie. The best su- three superhero movies, or the no, best no, our best three movie. Best three from Eddie. Oh, Just that's, so that's, you guys can weigh in. I you mean, can the weigh best in. three superhero movies. Um, wow. Oh, by the I'll way, probably... wait before you go. By the way, mm. you said you said Superman is the strongest. I I threw that question out to a, a buddy who's a big anime guy, and he said. No, no, the flash, no, stop. the flash, the flash. The f- what? That's what? what he said. Your buddy's dumb. 
Is your buddy, you know, is he in a wheelchair? <laughs> no, he said he said the Flash is always handicapped in a movie in some yeah, way. Exactly. In some way. He's in a wheelchair. Yeah, he's in a wheelchair. Yes. He's handicapped. In yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably be still pretty fast at moving his arms. But um, I had the best superhero movies. Probably the Avenger movies, to be honest. Endgame and um, both of them. Probably in the top three. And then yeah. I'd probably throw in... I throw in one extra. It, I mean, it'd probably be the first Iron Man because it was like, whoa, like this is incredible. Like they they made a B a B list character or even a C list character to the most badass superhero movie you've ever seen when it came out. Um, what, yes, do you think, what do you think of the Spider Mans? Because there's so many. There's the animated one. There's the most recent one, which I thought was pretty good. And the yeah. most recent was probably the best so far to be honest i mean i mean how can you top place putting all three spider-man in a movie right yeah. you can't top it it's like yeah, it was it was pretty great it's like the flash movie coming out it has um michael keaton and ben affleck playing batman it's oh. like uh, what like yeah how am i well, gonna how are you gonna top that you know yeah. so it's it, yeah it's t- that's why endgame is so good because these guys see themselves in the past or you know they're going back to fight again in the new york scenario because they have to you know and when uh tony meets his dad blah 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 it's just such a good you know so, so there's too many good superhero movies mm. it's like what are the worst superhero movies you know the three worst <laughs> super you know what i mean like that's a better route you know but you know sony makes it, it sucks and Lafayette loved the Batman. He just loved oh, it. Oh, no, I did not. Shut your mouth. <laughs> the Batman is now on HBO Max. So if you want to yeah, take a nap, put it on. I saw that that came there. Did but you those see are the movies I want to see in theaters, you know? Yeah. What well, did you see the Batman? Uh, I haven't seen it, no. Okay. Well, you're right, though. That is a theater. <laughs> that is a theater going movie. Yeah, it is. It, it still probably is in theaters, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Right, so you yeah. could definitely catch it still. Um, all right. Well, um, there we go. Is that cool. it, Hugh? You good? You good, Hugh? No, that was it. Was that your list, Eddie? The same, yeah. the same. Yeah. The end game. Yeah, yeah. They, those are pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, those are hard to top, man. Those are yeah. Johnny. Yours. I mean, top I, three superhero movies. All the Marvel movies. Yeah. Are amazing. You know. What's what's, don't, what's don't, number don't. one on your list? Thor number two, and then Captain Marvel. Ooh, Captain Marvel was probably the best one. And then Eternals. <laughs> Just because they had a blockbuster in there, and I, I love. Oh yeah, that's right. They did have a blockbuster in it. No, I'm gonna right. go Iron Man, The Avengers, and then um, oh, Civil War, Captain America, Civil War. Ah, oh, such I a that good was one. Yeah. Also, also basically an Avengers movie. I mean, basically yeah. an Avengers movie, and then the last Spider Man. I mean, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carlos, what is your top three? Man of Steel. Oh, of course, of course, yes. Avengers Endgame. Uh, one of the reasons Avengers Endgame, well, besides the movie itself, is in all the Avengers movies, you're waiting for Captain America to say Avengers Assemble. Mm-hmm. And he never does until that key moment when Doctor Strange brings everybody back through the portals. And that man, that just brings a happy tear to my eye. <laughs> when you but see that, everybody though, come you, through right? the portals, man, I told you, you everybody Eddie. does. How the dark even when you came see everyone the come through they the portals, everything. Like, what? he's back. Oh, yeah. they're back. Oh, you know, you're mm. so excited. Hugh, give us your top three superhero. Movies. I still got one more, man. You slow down. Oh, you do have one more. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Dark Knight. Ah, yes, excellent movie. Excellent movie. Hugh, give us yours that don't have Christopher Reeve. Go. Oh, 
<laughs> it's, it's, that's definitely not up there. In game, uh, the uh, most recent Spider Man, and uh, I'll go with Dark Knight. Okay, Eddie, top three. Give us your top yeah, it's three. Pretty oh. much, it's pretty much it. There's, you know, I mean, the Marvel movies. I'm a fan of all of them, and the the End Game. You know, the the Spider Man movie I thought was really spectacular. That's why I was wondering what you thought about them. And yeah, I don't. I, there's very few of those kind of movies that I I don't like because I just like the whole idea behind them. You know, the, the, to me. Even the Batman's whatever you know, most of the Batman movies they they didn't bum me out. There, you know, I enjoyed them because I, I like getting lost in that kind of sauce. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, super corny. Those like '90s Batman movies. Yeah, but... oh yeah, and especially the TV show in 1967. Oh, show, yeah. 1967, I was eight years old or so, and I went to the you know the theater down the street from us because the Batman movie was coming out, and I was standing and the the you know before the movie started they opened the door and batman and robin came running down the aisle and on onto the stage and like hey kids this is batman and robin and i think that was really them because it sounded like them and it <laughs> looked like them and i'm so thought in my older age maybe it wasn't but i'm pretty sure it was new york you know, we're <laughs> that's in new cool york, though so. that's that's pretty cool and and it was really cool for me because i loved the tv show and uh and yeah i actually um a friend of mine, I gifted him the Batman series on DVD just recently. It was a really smart, funny show with great actors and campy and silly. And uh, oh, it knew it was silly, yeah, yeah, on purpose. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Johnny loves. Was it is a Batman and Robin the movie? One of his. Yeah, that was that, that <laughs> the, original, the, the original movie that came. Uh, the original movie was the so original silly. one where he's running around with the bomb for like oh, ten minutes. Awesome. Yeah, yes. And the yeah, shark in repellent. college, we were oh, in college, repellent. we wrote. I'm sorry, but in college we wrote this uh, Batman uh, meets the Penguin, and there was they had found cocaine. The Penguin was selling cocaine, and <laughs> you know, and every pun was you know, uh, and there was every pun, and you know, it was it, it still weirdly enough. I heard it about a month ago. My friend and I we pulled it out of out of the dust and listened to it, and it was held up today to that because you know we were just such good fans, and we had the album that there was an album that had all this, the music from the original Batman and all the sound effects and all the little pow, bam, and the, -la 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 -la, you know, it <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was in it. So we, <laughs> we made it sound like a real episode and we just put our voices in the other one. We were like, Robin, Robin. Um, and so, yeah. Was, I will say as a child watching it, it's a little misleading. And if you use any of their fight moves in a real fight, you're getting your ass whooped. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only criticism I have for it is like none of their punches yeah. worked. And people, <laughs> did, people didn't wait for me to like, take a punch. and then One give punch, punch at a time, like your turn, yeah. my turn. Like, yeah. you know, like oh, movies right. are. Yeah, movie <laughs> fights are great. Did you yell out, bam, are. when you would punch? Uh, I think, I bam, think the, they did. They did. They did. When they, they they did. did. When it, just natural, natural effects on your face. <laughs> the weird thing is, is instead of just killing Batman and Robin, the 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 bad guys would set up this like trap, you know, that would like, hey, when the light comes through the door and burns the rope that you're tied to, right. and then you'll, you know, they'll <laughs> set off the dominoes that'll go around, and it's like just. Well, why don't you just shoot him? And yeah, it was super <laughs> elaborate, right? Everything was, and it was explained to them as well. Yeah. Right. Like, we're out of here, Batman. Before we go, though, that fish is going to go over there, and this tire is going to go here. You're like, and yeah. he's like, good heavens, Robin, what do we do? Yeah. yeah uh, from the penguin, why don't you just shoot us? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, nice idea, boy, Wonder. 
<laughs> we're gonna have to have Eddie back just for movie talk because we are big movie guys and uh, we review movies to death on this show and uh good so there you go that's that's uh that's our show Eddie anything to plug before we head out let's see I you know I I have a bunch of my own podcast I did 11 episodes with all incredible comedians and uh it's called the break with Eddie Brill and it has, you know, David Tell and Jim Gaffigan and Caroline Ray and Susie Essman and a whole bunch of great comedians, 11 of those. And then I did a video series called OG NYC. It was from the Organic Grill. That's what we used, OG. And I interviewed like, <laughs> um, you know, Artie Lang and Colin Quinn and a bunch of rock and roll guys. And, you know, so those two, those are two things that that exist that you're out there. And I'm on YouTube all over the place on YouTube bits you know, Letterman appearances, um, all kinds of different things. And yeah, I'm working up with my son, uh, who's a comedian in this. I just we just booked the gig together in, in uh, a place that when he was a little kid, he helped build the theater and built the stage and he gets to perform on it and I get to work with him on it. It's very exciting. Instagram at Eddie Comic. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter, Eddie underscore Brill. There you go. I'm on, I'm on uh, Facebook, but I'm full up with people. But if you follow me, you could read my stories. I put a bunch of stories on. And that is B-R-I-L-L. And right. Eddie, Eddie likes you know it. E-double-D-I-E. You have a, a website too, Eddie? Um, yeah, uh, it's brand new. So it's just starting to do a thing. I have a great new guy doing it. It's eddiebrill.com. But there's not much on it yet. You know? Okay. It's brand and new. My, the final question is, what is the dumbest name for a comedy club you ever saw? Where you're like, oh my God, you named it like this? Like, oh, I wish I only joking was a, a only joking. Yeah, like, I would think, or Rags to Riches was a club. Oh, that's a bad one. That was yeah. a bad one. And the that's guy who ran one. it was kind of a douche. How about, did you ever perform <laughs> at a place like the Funny Bone or something like yeah. that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Funny Bone. Yeah, I figured that. And- yeah giggles and uh oh, you know, they're all great giggles. all great names you know oh man so yeah. lame but funny all right well there you go that's our show thanks for coming eddie we appreciate it um, yeah, i hope i had a lot of fun it was fun you know for me talking to movies and you know a bunch of nerds hanging out together it's fun yeah no we'll yeah. definitely have you back on with without uh prying into your life it'll just be us talking movies and tv and all oh, the good. nerd shit we love there you go so for hugh see ya for Carlos. Bye-bye. For Johnny. Take care. For Eddie. Hey, hey. <laughs> and I'm Lafayette. Thanks for tuning in to Nerd Stock of the Podcast. We'll see you next time.